Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beyond the Dog with Lynn Bokey. This is episode two. We are going to focus on socializing a nervous dog to humans, specifically my dog, Kelev. I hope you'll find that interesting enough to stick around. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about where I've been. I'm actually just getting over the flu. My voice is finally coming back and I'm feeling a lot better than I was a few days ago. I think I got myself sick when I went to California. I had uh, uh, a workshop that I did with Cesar Milan, my mentor. I got so worked up because he's actually never seen me talk to a group of people. And since this is the first time he's ever collaborated with anybody, you can imagine the pressure. Oh my God. It was, first of all, it was amazing to see uh, my name up there with Caesar's, uh, Caesar Milan's boot camp series, Mastering the Walk with Caesar Milan and Lynn Bokey. That was uh, wild for me. Just surreal, actually. You know, it's been almost 18 years since I met Caesar and have been working with him uh, off and on for, for that whole time. Helped out a lot with behind the scenes on the dog whisperer, uh, with the clients that, that uh, he needed extra work with while he uh, went on to do other stuff. Did some behind the scenes with Caesar 911. Just a lot, of, a lot of years working with Caesar. He's a really great, uh, inspiring individual. Uh, it was really difficult to explain. I know everybody has seen him, so they uh, or saw him on TV. Or if you're lucky enough to met him, you understand how calm his and magnetic his in- energy is. But it doesn't matter how calm and magnetic his energy is when you've got to stand in front of 32 people and having him sit right next to you and listening to everything you had to say to the group. It took me a little bit of time there to, to get comfortable enough to talk to the people, not necessarily interrupting Caesar, but just blending in between what he had to say and what I had to say. It was, it was pretty rough there at the, at the beginning for me. Uh, everybody seemed to enjoy the, the workshop. I got lots of emails and, and comments from people about how well the things worked for their dogs. It was really inspiring. It was amazing to see some of the, the people with emotions fighting them back because this, this workshop was about controlling everything, especially yourself, being able to master your own energy and, and let it reflect on, off of you and have the dog become really, really balanced and relaxed as well. And it was just great to see whenever I'd ask who's next and have people just jump out of their seat, me, me, or, or can I do it again? I just, it was very inspiring to me to see. And uh, I had a great time. And uh, we're looking forward to doing that particular series again soon. I'm heading back out to L.A. in, in about a week or so to help out with Fundamentals 1 and 2. Uh, been doing that with him, helping out for the last uh, six months or so. And uh, I love just watching 
what's happening. I'm not necessarily involved during the fundamentals one and two with the students, but I, I am there to watch and help out when I, I'm needed. And I actually have some of my students there, Colleen Steckloff, Todd Langston. Uh, I've worked with Steve DeSavio and watching them uh, working the, the students and helping everybody out is really amazing to see as well. Watching them up on stage and controlling the group. I was very impressed with watching them helping people through their emotions because Fundamentals 1 uh, was very emotional. Each time I, I've watched it, it's just the beginning for everybody to understand how things work and they just really let go and pour out their emotions. And watching the, the trainers guide and, and support them is just great. But after I got back from the boot camp, mastering the walk, I, I picked up the flu. And I think it was just because of the overwhelming stress of doing all of that. And then it was finally over. And boom, my body said, stop, stop moving. And I am just now coming out of that. I'm feeling better. Let's get to it. I've had a lot of dogs over the years because I worked with packs for so long. I just ended up with a bunch of dogs. And over that time, I believe that there was only, let's see, two dogs that I actually said I want. And the rest of the dogs, and there were a lot, were dogs that I either found or I agreed to take. Like, okay, I'll take it. You know, because the issue that the dog was having was more extreme than the, what the owner could handle. Um, people bringing them from everywhere. I agreed to take some from rescues. And it just became pretty overwhelming, especially watching them pass. You know, I mean, dogs just don't live as long as we do. So I told myself, I can't wait until I just have one dog again. Just one dog. You know, a boy and his dog going anywhere and everywhere in the world that, you, that I wanted to go without any concern of all the rest of the dogs. It's very limiting when you have a lot of dogs. And when people tell me they want to get another dog when they already have one, two, three, four of them, I, I let them know it's, it's a lot of work. So when I moved out here to Arizona, I, I swore I wasn't going to get any more dogs. But I went to a rescue to offer my help. And I always like to foster a dog and guide a dog through so that they can see how I can help them. And this dog, Kalevra, that's what I call him, Kalevra, means bad dog in Hebrew. I call him Kelev, uh, which I guess just means dog in Hebrew. When I got this dog home, I'm like, this dog is so great. I mean, he's just the sweetest cookie in the jar. And I'm like, why would I let anybody else have this dog? Even though I still have uh, five other dogs, and they're, you know, they're getting up there in age, ultimately, Kelev will be my only dog at some point. And I said, I am keeping this dog no matter what. He's just beautiful, too. I mean, he's a white shepherd with a little Siberian husky in him. You might, he might even look like a... a, a a 
Belgian Malinois, but albino. He's, he's so white. He's got a couple of little brown spots. He's, he's just very attractive. One eye is, uh, he's got like guy liner around the eye. There's a little shade of gray under it, but the other eye doesn't have any pigment around the eyelid. So it's very uh, distracting to people and they, they're constantly looking at him. If they aren't asking me if something's wrong with his eye, they're telling me how beautiful he is. If they're not telling me or whoever they're with how beautiful he is, they're staring at him because he's nervous. And, and he is a nervous dog when it comes to people. I mean, once he gets his tongue in your mouth, he's your best friend. But he just does not want to meet people right out of the gate. And if, if mirrors are a factor, maybe it's because uh, I don't want to meet people either, you know. I, I truly hope that that's not how he, uh, this behavior came about for him. I would feel really bad if it, if it were that. But he's just a little nervous when it comes to meeting new people. So when it comes to socializing him... He's at the end of a leash, and let me try and paint a picture for you. Imagine you're naked, and you're walking through an outside mall, and everybody's rubbernecking. They're looking at you, and and you just want to get on through, but you're on a leash, and you run north as fast as you can. You hit the end of that leash, and you turn around, and you run south as far as you can. You hit the end of the leash. Then you go west, and then you go east. You got nowhere to go, so then you become like a a tether ball in a sixth grade playground, and you just wrapped around, round and round and round the body until you can't move anywhere. If you stop and sit down, he just wants to hide underneath the bench. He literally looks like he's trying not to be seen. And like I said, he is beautiful, and everybody's looking. And when you get a hundred people or more staring at you, it becomes awkward. People want to reach out. They want to touch him. Uh, they just want to help. Is he okay? Does he need some help? Can, can I touch him? So it just becomes very difficult to help him through that. Fortunately, when I was out at the Dog Psychology Center during uh, a couple weeks ago, they, everybody that's involved on the ranch knows no touch, no talk, no eye contact. Everybody has like-minded. They, they just want to find balance and peace. And it was really an opportunity for Kellev because people weren't staring at him. And he was able to sneak up and, and, and really use his nose. 60% of the brain's nose for a dog uh, goes through. Jeez, uh, have I started talking yet? 60% of the brain's information comes through the nose. And that's reality for a dog. 15% comes through the eyes. 25% goes through the ears. So if he is just using his eyes and, and looking, he's reacting based off of a rumor. It's just not true. He's only 15% of the truth. So when we're out at the ranch, he really got the opportunity to sneak up on people and and smell them and make sure that they were safe. A lot of people, when, when a dog does get that confidence to come up and smell a human, they turn and they reach and, it, and the dog runs away and trust goes out the window. Let me tell you something, people. Just because a dog is smelling you does not mean it's ready to be hugged or kissed. I know it's very difficult not to 
want to look at a dog, touch a dog, interact with a dog in any way, uh, let alone a, a gorgeous one like him, I understand it's difficult. But we really need to learn, let the dog be. So during this two days, I was actually out there for four, but the, the course was two days. During that two days, Kellev got a lot of practice. And I, I'm shocked. You know, I've had him, um, he's almost two years old this month, actually. His birthday is this month. He'll be two years old. So I've had him about a year and a half. And it's been a struggle. And he really came so far during that two days, I was shocked. And the, the ranch is a very magical place, very peaceful. I mean, if you go out there, as you drive up, you can see the grass or the, the it's just greener than the rest of the, the area. And it's not like they're watering the lawn. It's just this amazing energy that comes out of it, vibrates out of it. And during that, that time, Kellev really came out of his shell. And I would notice it each time I went to the hotel at night because he, all he wanted to do was rush through the hotel lobby to get upstairs. But each, the, you know, especially the last day, he stopped and he, and he actually let people uh, look at him and he licked a few people. I was just so proud of him. So when I got back to Arizona and took him to this outside mall, he still was nervous and wanted to get to the end of the leash. But I think just a couple more times and we are, we'll be over the most of it. The big, part, the big part will be over. He'll still have a little bit of, it, bit of it in him and it'll be difficult for people to just leave him alone until he gets comfortable. But he's just come so far. So what do you do? How do you do it? Most dogs that are nervous around people, you must understand this, there are so many different variations. Nervous, uh, uh, reactive, where they might bite. Nervous, escape, that's what Kellev does. He just wants to get out. Uh, nervous, to the point of anxiety. They shut down, pee themselves, they poop. I'm not going to be able to help you understand how to, to work with every single one of those. But with Kellev, I would say Kellev is probably on the on the lower end of the spectrum. You know, it's taken a long time to get him where, where he is, but he's not going to bite anybody. And he's, I don't want to let go of the leash because he will run, but he is on the lower end of the spectrum. So for a dog like that, as I walk through the mall, as soon as he wants to go to escape, I just simply stop. And I let him get to the end of the leash. And if he's really Freaking out, I'll go ahead and, and bring his body. I'll manually control his body and put his body next to me in a, in a lower posture, you know, stationary. Uh, his brain is still all over the place at that point. And then we'll take a few more steps, let him get to the end of the leash and do it again. Now, positive reinforcement uh, people will try and get him to sit with a treat and, and give him treats. Yeah, like I said, he'll sit there, but his brain is all over the place. So his energy is way too nervous. It doesn't matter if he sits there for 10 hours, he's still going to be nervous. And just so everybody understands, nervousness, anxiety, fear, panic, generally, and when I say generally, almost always overrides hunger or thirst. 
when I see people that want to give a treat to a dog like this, and Kellev will put it in his mouth and walk in and spit it out. So it, it doesn't help. And even if he would eat the food, all we would be doing is nurturing that state of mind. And the last thing I want to do is say, hey, I really like your nervous energy. Here's some food. Do it some more. I love it. And if I let go of the leash and you run into the street and get hit by a car, I'll accept that too. That is not the state of mind you want to feed. So it becomes difficult for people who are limited in their understanding of dog psychology because they want to give that treat. You can't pet them. You can't talk to them. Sweet baby talk. You can't feed them. You're just rewarding that state of mind. Look at the basics of of positive reinforcement. When a dog sits, you say, good boy, or you give him a treat. What do we do that for? So the likelihood of the dog sitting the next time we ask him to in another environment becomes higher. So when a dog is nervous, you, you cannot share any kind of affection with them. Should not, absolutely should not do that. It's the worst thing you could do. Again, how do you how do you go through it? Well, we got to go through it. That's just the way it, it has to be. And you want to kind of do it in increments based on your ability. So my ability, I can get right into the deep end. Other people's ability, confusion, uh, lack of experience, you may want to be on the outskirts just so the dog can get used to the sight of all the people. Because if that type of individual goes into... Uh, the, the, the deep end with all the people, you're really going to freak the dog out. And if you're confused, confusion is an accelerant, then you're going to cause more panic in the dog. But with me, I take him in there, I let him get to the end of the leash, I bring him back, I place his body on, on the ground, just his butt. It's not a sit, it's a stationary posture. See if his brain will calm down. Take a step or two. If he, if he rushes to the end of the leash, I do it again. If I've got 45 minutes to work with him in the group, in the crowd, I may only go a half a block. That's okay. It's still 45 minutes of work. As long as you are calm when you're doing this, it's going to affect the dog in a positive way. Kellev, now that he's had the opportunity to be out on the ranch and get some experience with crowds, this last time I was there, he would be in front of me. He wouldn't get to the end of the leash. And I didn't mind so much. It's not for me. It's 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 not about him uh, being next to me or behind me at this point. I want him to see that the crowd is not a threat. And so, as long as he's not pulling on the leash, I'll allow him to be in front of me. And as I go through the crowd, his confidence gets stronger and stronger, and his mind opens up more and more. And then he starts to become a little curious. And this session could end at whatever time frame you have. And then you come back and you do it again. With Kellev starting to get to the point where he can cruise up to people, I, I'm just so happy for him. This time, I was just the other day, went over and stopped around the crowds where the kids are. And he sat in front of me, just sat right there. Instead of trying to hide behind my legs, you know, stranger danger. He's done a really good job. That good job is strictly dependent on the dog handler. If you are confused and don't know what to do, do not go in there. Do not take your dog in there. Find out what you want to do, plan it out, and get in there.
and help your dog and do it again and again and again. My goal for him this next time I go is during the, the busiest part of the day. I want to go on a Saturday or Sunday and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to spend a, a few hours. I'm not leaving until he is just like, well, I'm going to lay down because I think he's just about there, just about there. During this time, people do approach, and if Kellev isn't trying to get away at that point, I might help them understand that just by standing here helps him get used to people. If you don't mind waiting and allow him to come up to you, then we might be able to move to you petting him, but it will be dependent on him. And if you're all right with that, thank you. I appreciate that. Some people can't be bothered. They want it now. I want to touch him now. And if, and if you're asking them to help you, they, pfft, <clears throat> they just walk on. Well, thank you for walking on because I don't want that negative energy touching my dog. I don't want it around me. But there are people that will stand there 10, 15 minutes and they'll listen to everything you say. If you just look at me, you can see him in your peripheral. He is beautiful. Just try not to make eye contact with him. Because let me tell you something, eye contact and for me in the school of dog psychology is there's two ways to look, two categories. It's either considered an invitation or it's considered a confrontation. And you can find a different word that you want to call it inside. As long as it fits in those two categories, you're there. Think about being in a bar if you're a guy and somebody's looking at you, staring at you. First thing, what? What do you want? What are you looking at? You know, or... Uh, looking at a, uh, the opposite sex and hopefully they smile. See, now you can come over to them or they can come over to you. It's an invitation. It can be very intrusive when people stare at you, but that's the two basic categories, invitation or a confrontation. And when these people stand there with Kellev and they're very patient, they want to help, they're, they're very kind I, I like to at least let them touch him. And I guide them down to their, you know, to squat down. You don't want to squat down towards the dog because even if you're not looking at the dog, your body is wider at that point and it can be seen as an approach to you, to the dog. So I always like to have my side to the dog, especially this type of dog. And when these people go down and Kellev can kind of go up and smell. You got to encourage him not to reach out because everybody thinks if you put your hand out and let the dog smell you, then you're good. Well, that's a good way to get bit. It's also a good way for a dog like Kellev not to come near you because he doesn't trust you. It's got to be on the dog's terms. And over the time, especially these people that are patient, I can manually... Uh, control his body and put his back to the people just so they can get a touch. And boy, do they feel oh, they, they, they've done something. Oh my God, he's so beautiful. He's so soft. Oh, he's awesome. And then they can go away like they've helped out. And they have. Uh, but, to, but to let somebody touch him right out of the gate is only going to cause him to be more afraid and not trust me. If you've got a dog like this, don't force people to, don't force your dog to accept people touching them. Don't, don't have them give them a cookie. It's a waste of time. 
Think about this. This is an example I use anyway when people um, think that they have to socialize their dog and make them get touched. Drainers do say you've got to socialize the dog. I don't know why either the people interpret I've got to hold my dog down and let people handle him while he's pissing himself or if the trainer's actually saying you've got to hold him in place, he's got to uh, be touched. Well, no, he doesn't. And so the way I describe that, especially if somebody has a kid there, or even if it's their wife, and I say, hey, you mind if I run my fingers through your daughter's hair? She sure is pretty. Mm. Their faces change, their posture changes, and then suddenly they understand that is inappropriate for me to want to force your dog to be touched. It's no different. You wouldn't do it for your kid. You wouldn't do it for your girlfriend or wife. You wouldn't do it. So why are we doing it to the dogs? I don't know where that, that uh, misinterpretation is happening or if it's literally information given by a trainer. But you can't do that. You gotta let them take their time. And if the dog doesn't smell the people, doesn't allow them to be touched by the people, it's okay. The, sometimes people spend 15 minutes hoping that they get to touch the dog and they don't. But I always thank them and tell them how much it means uh, to the dog's future of being socialized. This time that you took where he didn't feel like you were going to grab hold of him, he got to trust a little bit, just a little bit more. He got to trust that a human might be safe. Now, for whatever reason, when he does... Uh, find it safe around somebody. It's as if nothing ever happened before, like he never saw them as bad, especially if they get into my car or they come into my house. He, he gets more comfortable quick, uh, more quickly. If they go on a walk with me, uh, he gets comfortable a little quicker. Uh, but once he's comfortable, he's great. He's just like he is with me and it's not a problem whatsoever but it's their terms. It's gotta be their terms. Like I said, Kelev is on the, the lower end of the spectrum where he's not gonna bite anybody. He's not gonna piss himself or crap all over the place. He's, he's not that extreme. And I hope the information I'm providing you is going to be helpful to you. Even if you have a dog that is extreme, you must understand how important it is to take your time. Down the line, I'll, I'll cover a topic where it's where the dog is more extreme and it might be chance I'll talk about chance because he literally will crap himself while somebody's standing next to him or did we've got him a wonderful home anyway back to Kelev if you have a dog that needs to be socialized with people take your time if you rush this you only intensify it make it worse and, and make it so that you may never be able to have your dog around people. And I never really thought about it being a problem until I want to be around people. You can't take him anywhere. So it's very important that you take your time. And if you have a dog that, like this from the beginning, do it right out of the gate. Go and, and take care of it right away. Don't wait a year, two years down the line. Do it as soon as possible, but take your time. 
I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope it was informative. And I'll tell you again, take your time. It doesn't matter how much time things take. It just matters that you take the time. And that's all. You go and you spend the time with your dog, putting that effort in. It goes a long way. So again, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. And until next time, take care.